I'd like to welcome you to your podcast. Thank you so much. Have you ever been welcomed to your own podcast? Kirk welcomed me once. Did he? <laughs> Kirk's a good dude. Yeah. I like We're, Kirk. I'm glad you're here. We had a good conversation with Dr. Tennyson earlier. We, we did. here at River Valley Conference. Yeah, it was great. You thought you were coming to Sparkle Conference. I thought I was coming to a women's conference. That's correct. Talk me through that briefly. What happened? I don't know what happened. I, you're I, coming to Sparkle. Yeah. Or I maybe think you're I just, not anymore. I think maybe not after this. I, I mean, I, I hope you are. Yeah. But maybe you, so maybe you your were, mom heard it and she's like, yeah, I don't want that. You got on the plane and you thought you were coming to a women's conference. Yes. I came to the wrong conference. You show up, you're here for River Valley Conference, not Sparkle, which is in the fall. Yeah. But it went great. Yeah, it was totally. I mean, there was a lot of men here. Yeah, a lot of men at this women's conference. Yeah, so I figured that it's 2023. This, this was not a, yeah, I mean, exactly. Because it could have, it's June. Could have gone both ways. <laughs> well, so. it, it was a fun time. We talked a lot about that in the session with Dr. Tennyson. Um, but what's what's new since you you've been on last you you've been on the podcast before? This is I mean, with last week's episode. This is now three times. But uh, you you've been back hanging with us. What's new in your life? You, you're you're in Nashville now. I'm living in Franklin, Tennessee, just yep. south of Nashville. I think you just moved last time, maybe. But. I had just moved. I think that's right. I had I had just moved. Yeah, um, yeah we're just doing the Theosu thing, Theos Seminary thing, building out our Bible college our master's program. So that's accredited or are you like, we don't care about accreditation? It is a, we don't care about, about accreditation. We care a lot about academics though. Sure. So I think it's one of the strictest and perhaps most rigorous programs that you can go into. Um, the guys that mark everything that, that, that teach it are PhDs. They're absolutely brilliant. They're engaging. One of them runs our meme page. So you have guys who are scholars and just like cultural guns. And, um, and then we have, we're, we're, we've worked out some, um, some articulation agreements with some schools. We just finished one with SEU. So cool. you, you can do basically three years with us and then finish your last year with SEU. Um, you know, if, if that was kind of the direction that you wanted to go, and we have, yeah, lots of options. Um, so, but yeah, we're we're building that out. That's keeping me busy. Uh, working on a, I'm working on a secret little. Um, this is a secret. Okay, don't tell them. We won't tell. Them. No, we won't tell them. But I'm not going to tell you the secret. But the secret is that I'm working on a TV show. Mm, okay. We just finished writing the pilot, the, the script for the pilot. Is it going to be a TV show on Theosu, or is it going to be somewhere else, like on a on a channel? Somewhere else. Ooh. Any so, more insight you can give us on that? Like the top, like what it's about? Is it just like life in Athen? It's about a church that's falling apart. Mm. And um, yeah, it's really fun. So, like, are you going to get um, stories from past staff members and stuff? Oh, dude, I'm. I mean, we're writing it. It's a fic- it's fictional, okay. but it's definitely a lot of the things are based on true things that have happened. Right. So it's uh, yeah, it's been great. So we're working on that. We're I'm working on some new music. I'm working on some new music, which has been fun. Some uh, some new worship music. Some new just fun music. And yeah, it's just getting getting my creative self going. What is your what is your favorite thing to write? Do you, do you do a lot of worship or 
are you mostly writing on the side of just you're just writing uh, or just playing? I mean, do you do you really enjoy writing? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy writing. You know, like I, I just uh, just worked on Matt Records, uh, Matt Crocker's new Worship record. Um, Matt Records' new Crocker. Matt Records' new Crocker record, Crocker uh, Crocker album. Um, yeah, it, and that was fun. Um, Matt's a brilliant songwriter, one of my favorite songwriters, actually, worship songwriters. So uh, that was fun. Did that for March and April. Um, working on some worship songs right now with Aiden King. Um, I don't know. Just, yeah, I, I do enjoy writing worship, but I kind of more enjoy... I like working on projects with my friends. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. So if the project with my friend is a worship album, then I'm in. Sure. If the project with my friend is a funny, you know, TV idea, I'm in. You know, so that's for me. I like collaborating with people that I love, respect, and just have so much fun with. And so that's that's kind of what drives my projects. I'm I'm probably at this point in my life less interested in just doing something for the sake of it and more right. interested in collaborating with people that I absolutely love so, yeah yeah. you posted recently about all the Hillsong worship leaders that you're friends with and you were just talking about how you know they're they're amazing at leading congregationally they, they're focused on the local church there's so many things what is it about that group of people that you think I mean you, you've had a front row seat you're friends with a lot of them that has inspired worship in a way that others haven't been able to obviously there's plenty that's gone on there with you know that we may or may not get into but but specifically in worship that just is obviously so anointed these worship leaders that have been trained up there and sent out now many of them producing their own albums what what was special there and in that group of people that continues to just influence music worship in the world yeah I think that it's their they learned about local church and that was beat into them you know for 20 years and what i mean by local church is like you don't serve because you have a gift you serve because you have a heart for the church and we have that backwards at a lot of our churches where a lot of our creatives they serve because they have a gift not because they have a heart for the church Um, and so it's one thing to have an amazing gift and I, and I think that you should develop your gifts and you should um, you know, be faithful with whatever God has given you, a thousand percent. But the gift tends to form self. You know, it, it tends to, um, you know, the, the anointing always forms Christ. The gift always you know, typically, you know, forms self. Uh, the anointing... Um, you know, breaks yokes. The the gift gives goosebumps. You know, like the the anointing is uh, you know dwells in the spirit. Um, the gift is in the human soul. The anointing is an extension of Christ. The gift is an extension of self. Um, the anointing um, always accomplishes the will of God. The gift can accomplish the will of man. The gift can be prostituted. The 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 anointing can never be prostituted because it it always accomplishes the will of God right the gift um, you know can be is corruptible the anointing is incorruptible so there's these are two very different things right and so a Christian should cultivate their gifts that you know that God has given them but the gifts should serve the call of God on their life 
and they should cultivate the anointing of God on their lives. So certainly a gift can be a vehicle for the anointing, if that makes sense. Um, so I think, though, that what can often happen, though, is we get these guys who, they love music because they love rock and roll. I mean, like, I, I, I got into music not because I love church. I got into music because I love the Beatles, you know, and I love Radiohead and I love Nirvana. And so I mean, I'll never forget the first time I played uh, Foo Fighters Everlong on, a, on, on guitar and, you know, hearing the song when I was 13 and being like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life and I need to learn how to play it now. Um, I remember, you know, being able to replicate Stairway to Heaven and just being like, this is insane, you know. Um, that's the stuff that, like, made me just love the gift and dig into the gift. But I began to have a heart for the house because my dad began to teach me that the church is Jesus' body. It's, his, it's, it's, it's everything, you know. It's, it's who he's coming back for. It's, it's, it's his body. It's his, it's his bride. It's his wife, man. And, and our lives are inexplicably tied to churches as Christians because we're not just in a relationship. It's not just Jesus and me. It's it's Jesus and his body. And um, and the church is the vehicle for the kingdom. Um, and the church is who, you know, is, is how God is extending his kingdom in the world. And, and Jesus is coming back for his church. And, and, and the church is going to be victorious. It's not going to just you know, suck. And so we need to be a part of building what Jesus is building in the earth. So as my dad began to give me this really great theology about the church, I began to have a passion for the church. And yeah, it was cool that I got to serve with my gift, but it meant a lot because I knew that people were encountering God and the kingdom was being, you know, established. And I remember I served, I mean, from the time I was about 12 until, uh, gosh, maybe about 35, uh, I served every Sunday just about every stinking Sunday as a as a uh, somebody doing something in worship and I never got paid for it once not once did I ever get paid for it uh, I did like the Royal Royal music stuff with my brother and we got paid for some of those things that, you know we get people invite you and get a bigger band and you know um, and, and at one point it became my livelihood but I never got paid for leading worship at my local church not once not when I was leading at Hillsong, New York. Not when I was leading at my dad's church. Not when I was leading at City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. All the churches that I was, you know, a part of. Um, and that kept a real purity. And that's what those Hillsong boys went through. They never got paid a dollar for leading um, or playing or whatever. And then all the hours of learning the music and you know, and then their pastor. I mean, those boys, they got spanked. Any bad attitudes, spanked. They'd come back from, you know, tr gallivanting the world, you know, as total rock stars, filling out arenas. And then they'd come back and have to sit, you know, sit in the eighth row. You know, like, no, no, back another row. No, back another row, you know. And just got treated like normal. And it's, it's, it was, it's been, for the most part, so healthy for them. And so it's made them very, you know, so now they, a lot of them, they, they, they go full time. They, um, you know, they, they um, lead worship and they, they're doing albums and they're writing and make, they make money when they lead. But it's never been about money for them. That's not, they have a passion for the local church. And so that's, it's reflected in, in how they deal with, you know, with, with all of those situations. There's guys that are, 
asking exorbitant amounts of money. Yeah. I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> I need to I need to become a worship leader and get a manager and start charging local churches thirty thousand dollars to come for one night. Are you kidding me? It's a deal these days. Oh, it's insane, dude. It's a it's a freaking thing, you know. No, it's true. The other day, I was I reached out to someone who is at Hillsong and to lead worship, and uh, the person from their team said, "Oh yeah, the, like whatever you can do." Like I was surprised by that. You know, normally for us, we, we we know there's certain people that say, "Hey, I I travel so much, there has to be a fee." You know, I, I don't think that's wrong morally. I think yeah. I think that there's each person has to ask themselves what they're doing. I think there's also a difference in our view at River Valley if they're pastoring a local church and have a salary versus somebody who's who gets their livelihood from traveling, you know, we kind of view that a little bit differently. Mm. Um, but also there is a point to where you are becoming over the top. You are becoming too high maintenance. You know, yeah. even even you, you, you called me and you said, hey, can, can I bring a friend um, to come to conference? You know, it's a little bit last minute. Flights might be a little bit more expensive. Is that okay? Where some people might not even ask and they, they you know, they get him a jet, you know, or something. Right. <laughs> and so I said, as long as, as long as he's not flying private, he can come. Yeah, yeah. So. No, absolutely. I think... Um, I've been on both sides, you know. I've been right. a, I've, I've been a part of small churches and I've been a part of large churches. I've been a volunteer and I've been on staff. Um, I run conferences. I've attended conferences, and um, the reality is is that we have budgets, and you know, you got We have to be conscious of those things, and we need to realize that, you know, we're, we're at the end of the day we're ministries, and right. even though there's a business side, there is. And I am the. I do not shy away from talking about money ever. I love talking about money, um, and I think that there can be, you know, people can get taken advantage of and stuff like that. And um, and and churches have money. My dad always told me never feel bad for taking money from a church. Churches have money, and this is and this is a guy who like my dad is a fall on your sword, you know, never ask for anything type guy. You know, like but he's like. So there's a balance to be struck. Um, but um, yeah, I, I just think that, that we need to stay aware that there are budgets. People are at different budgets. Prioritize, if you're a worship leader and you're somebody who wants to get into the worship leading game or speaking itinerantly or whatever, and you're, how does this all work? Build relationship with people. Right. Prioritize relationships. Don't prioritize you know, um, fees and Getting what you getting what you want or getting what you think you need. No, what you need is a long relationship with the church for 20, 30, 40 years. However long gives you breath, uh, however long God gives you uh, ministry, however long you know gives God gives you favor, and just build relationships with people. Right. And then the money will follow people that are, you know, that have integrity in that regard, you know, and prioritize people and prioritize relationships and pr- prioritize the ministry of the word and don't let the money come in between you, you know, because, yeah. you know, because then what happens is people, you know, these guys, I've seen it happen. You become the flavor of the month. You spike, you get as much money as you possibly can. All of a sudden, you're not the flavor of the month. You can't treat people the way you were treating them. And the people that were at when you were at the top, they remember how you treated them. Yeah. And then they're like, man, I'll never work with that guy again. Yeah. And that's what a lot of times what happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, we've obviously guest hosting here at River Valley. So myself and our team, we we oversee that. And there's definitely people, of course, who never call them out by name. Nathan Pinocchio. Yeah. But, <laughs> but some of them are very difficult. Do you remember they, I ordered a yeah. pony? Yeah. 
I ordered a pony. What was it? I ordered a pony, an archery set, and two sumo wrestlers. And I wanted. I said I want to produce. I want to ride a pony while doing archery, and then I want to watch two sumo wrestlers wrestle. Sorry, we couldn't get the job done. Yeah. Well, surprised you came back. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's right though that people. I was once asked a question about, you know, how, how I, I don't know a lot of um, celebrities by the world standards, right? But someone asked me, what, 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 would, what do you do if you want to be friends, you know, celebrity, right? There was a season where everyone felt like they were called to be a pastor to celebrities, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm called, I'm called to be so-and-so's pastor, and I just haven't met him yet. It's like, ooh, that's a good one. But I, I remember responding something of the like of treat them before they're famous, treat them in a way to what, where they can't forget you when they are, right? I can't forget that person because of how great they treated me. Mm. And those are really o- the only people that the real, like celebrities, quote unquote celebrities, that still stay in contact with of their old life because the rest of the people, they, they either treated them horribly or they, they can't handle the fame. Yep. And there are certain people where it's, you, know, you just can't hang with me anymore. And that sounds super pretentious, but you know, if you're always that guy of, oh, let me get a picture with that friend, or let me get a picture with you, or, oh, you know you know Joel Houston, or you know that, it's like, okay, well, it's just not, it's kind of weird to be that person. Yeah. If you're the green room guy that's just taking selfies of who you're with in the green mm-hmm. room, nobody wants you in the green room, you know? And it's like, it just goes so far beyond that. So I think it's such a good reminder is to stop treating people weird. Stop stop treating them like they're better than anyone else. Like, we have Jesus, man. So true. Um, I got a question for you. Yeah, go for it. How's uh, River Valley music going? Good. Yeah, Ages has been... Have you heard Ages? I mean, we... They, is this is that that song that we sang this yeah, morning, the every, first one? Everything You Do. Everything You Do. Is that off of the new Ages record? That Yeah, that's on Air One, like, in all over, and Everything You Do. That song is a bop? Yeah. And I don't know why it's not bigger. Yeah, People it's getting are, pretty big. If if that song doesn't go like number one, there's something broken because it is such that song just slaps. Yeah, yeah. The first time we heard it, we knew that it was amazing. But yeah. it Air One got it. They picked it up, and now it's it's been climbing the charts, as they say. I don't know what the charts are these days, but it's pretty cool. And their other song, Sunrise, just got an Air One as well. But yeah, Ages is doing awesome stuff. Worship. Uh, had their album come out last year. They're working on some new things. And I mean, it's like, it's hard to quantify, right? How, in our seat, aside from like the analytics that we have, which are all good, yeah. but hearing anecdotal stories, seeing, you know, people sing it on planning center, but in the worship space, you know, for those who are out there, it's like, oh man, like what does success look like in creating songs? Well, first the success is that, is it building your church, right? Is it edifying your church? Is it giving glory to God? That's mm. success. Beyond that, it's hard to say, but I do agree with you. I think that song has a unique touch on it. Yeah, it's so good. I told Crocker to cover it for his new record. Come on, let's he, see it. It's for, his think, Crocker, for his Crocker record. Yeah, I don't think he's feeling it. I think he's doing his own thing, though. Oh, okay. He's a tortured artist. <laughs> Very tortured. What, uh, what has surprised you as you step out of local church ministry every every day every week obviously you're you're doing ministry in a different way now but yeah. is there things that have surprised you things that you miss things that uh you don't miss yeah i hated being in an office like offices offices are 
like it's like a cage for for a guy like me. I'm a wild lion. You know what I mean? I get my meals on the Serengeti. You know, it's like, imagine having Mufasa at your office. You know, how, well, how would you how would you feed me? You wouldn't. You'd be like, ah, I'm scared. You know, Connor, you go feed him, right? And then you'd throw me like a, some chickens or something, and I would never be satisfied, right? And then eventually you'd see me crying my little Mufasa tears, and you'd be like, let him go, you know, because if it's true but love, you'd you'd let it go. then you'd be broken at that point. Yeah, I'd be broken. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. And, ex- and then I'd be useless. Exactly. And then I'd go and get eaten by the jackals and the hyenas. So you got out just in time. Yeah, so I got out just in time. Look, when I worked at... Um, I worked for two churches. I worked for my dad and I worked for um, Hillsong, New York City. And Carl Lentz knew that, and, and Joel Houston, who were, you know, the pastors, but uh, Tolu Batters, who was the CEO, she's amazing. They knew that I was a wild lion. And so they never tried to cage me. <laughs> they didn't even bother. They're like, come to staff for an hour a week. That was my office time. And then um and then they just let me do my thing. And and they just like cuz cuz my the their their philosophy was different people serve different tasks. Right. And so we're we're going to deal with our staff completely different de- depending on their needs, right? Were you full-time? I was paid part-time. It was a full-time job. Right. It was more than 40 hours a week. So what did your, you weren't in the office. What, what did that look like being in, were you traveling? Were you teach? What did that look like? So I was running evening college on Monday nights, uh, which meant that I needed to write and I needed to prepare for evening college and then do a little bit of, you know, contacting my team, you know, interfacing with them. It be, there began to be pastoral things, you know, uh, because there's people, there's relationships. Um, so, and then I had a small group that I, um, that I ran. Um, so I did that. And then, and then I was, I was leading worship as well. Um, so between, between all those things, yeah, there was no reason for me to be in the office. I would just do all my study at Starbucks or whatever, you know? Um, but then, you know, you have meetings, right? Like there's, uh, there's always somebody that wants to meet with you when you're at a church. You know, and then and then if, if then if people start to realize that you know what you're talking about, then they really want to meet with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I just wasn't an office guy. I did everything outside, which is probably really the best. It was the best for me. It was the best for them. It was the best for everybody. It was best best for the church. Um, and uh, and then with my dad, my dad was the same way. We had office days. We had one office day a week on Tuesdays, and that was just meetings. You know, um, but my dad was just like, you should never be in an office. You, you need to be out on the Serengeti yeah. eating fresh zebra flesh, you know, and that's what I did, you know. So I was always looking for zebra, you know. Um, I was always in the studio writing music, reading books, go away, read some books, you know, yeah, stuff like that. So, um, so, you know, what is different about my life? Well, I don't have office hours, but I do run a company now (laughs) and we have an office and we do have meeting days and we do have, um, but I, but I run my staff exactly the way that I wanted to be run. You know, like I, I'm like lots of freedom. Um, I have a daily regimen. I have some weeks that 
you know, this this year, every month has looked different. So last month, I was in in Rome for two weeks writing a book. Yeah. Um, this this month, I'm gonna, I'm been doing some conferences, and then I'm going to be down. Uh, oh, and then I did a, a writing. Uh, I just finished the script for our pilot this week. I had some a friend flying from LA. We finished that. So I'm project. I'm a project based guy. This week is not going to look like this week. It's not going to look like this week. Right. It's not going to look like this week. But then I have daily rhythms that I've built into my life. So uh, every day, I'm, and I'm not kidding you, like I, on Mondays, I know exactly what I'm doing in my personal study. On Tuesdays, I know exactly what I'm doing. I have these daily rhythms that are about five-hour rhythms. Um, what does that look like? Well, I get up and I... Are you an early riser or are you sleep in? I, I, when I wake up, I wake up. So it's, not, it's just whenever? It's whenever. Yeah, exactly. Typically these days, it's about 8 o'clock. Um, I rise as the sun hits the Serengeti. Yeah. Um, clocks, you're not bound by clocks, you're bound by the sun. Exactly, yeah. It's a circle of life, my yeah. friend. Um, and then I'll typically go to, uh, you know, I'll go to a spot, a Lifetime Fitness, Franklin, Tennessee. And I'll set up and I'll just start doing some reading, some, some, some devotional, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then I'll create some, I'll, I'll work on some, a little bit of a sermon. I'll work on a little bit of this idea. I'll do some emails. And then I, I'm typically doing some podcasts or some teaching or whatever. Um, but, you know, I'm always developing content, about two or three pieces of content a day early on. I do all my writing the first three hours. How much of your content do you use versus scrap? Like, are, are, is a lot of what you use, is it... 20%. 20% you use? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you do with the other 80? Is it just kind of get, get filed? Do you actually get rid of it? What, well, okay, what? let me just say this. I, I am like... Uh, the, the Native Americans, the early... You know, the Indians used all of the pieces of the settler. Right? So that's kind of how I do it. You know, nothing's wasted. You know, um, so I'm I'm using um, that eighty percent that might not get formatted here. It'll find its way somewhere. Nothing is. I find this that nothing is ever wasted. You right. know, like let's say that I write a sermon that doesn't get get the light of day. Well, I will eventually cannibalize all parts of that. Sure. You know, and use them for maybe this or that or the other thing or. Things just always have a way of finding themselves to the surface. So, daily rhythms for a guy who's like sort of an entrepreneur who's running a company who's doing these creative things, they make sure that I am never running out of content and that my momentum continues to snowball. So, yeah, I just, I mean, dude, I feel I work like, like one day everything will fall apart. So, I'm always just trying to, I just, I have like this work ethic because I'm like, I know what it's like to have nothing, you know? So, then I'm just like, okay, I just gotta, I just gotta keep working. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're you're a you're like a creative entrepreneur that plus lion, obviously. Yes. Um, creative entrepreneur Mufasa. Yes. Yeah, we'll get you a name tag. Um, I would love that. For people, there's a lot of people out there that may identify as being a creative or have some entrepreneurial tendencies, and I, there's a distinction between entrepreneur and entrepreneurial tendencies, right? right. It's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Well, what, what business have you started? Well, no, I haven't started anything. Totally. Well, then you're not, like by definition. And yeah. it doesn't mean anything is wrong. True. Just, you have tendencies of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, for those who are in a yeah. local church yeah, context. Yeah, being late 
to yeah. your own meetings? <laughs> <laughs> I have entrepreneurial tendencies. What are they? Well, I'm late to my own meetings. Um, <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> exactly. Sleeping on the floor, eating I'm trying to raise jelly. money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who's not that, yeah. uh, or, or they're creative, but they're in a church, they're in a context, yeah. in an environment where there's structure, where there's other people are calling meetings, yeah. um, and maybe, maybe they're not as, as much of a, a lion on the Serengeti as you are, yeah. what, how, how do they know when to... Two ways. Two ways. So, so uh, you knew I, my question. So, I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, <laughs> so firstly, you need to know who you are. Yeah. And you're gonna need friends who know you to tell you who you are, right? If you don't have those types of friends, that sucks. But for example, I did a I did a strength finders when I was at Hillsong New York, and it was amazing. And my strength finders like just take some of those strength finder things. But the strength finders were like, Nathan, you could either run an organization or you could, you know, be like a Bono, you know, like you could be like a, just an artistic, whatever you have the skills to run an org, you know, and, or to lead an org within an org or to create something completely different. Right. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Cause I feel that. Like, I feel like, like I could just stay in this organization. I, I, like, look, I'm teachable. I think regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you should be teachable. You should be able to work well with others. You should be able to show up to meetings on time. You should be able to uh, do requests. You know what I mean? Like complete tasks. You should be able to communicate well. Like these are all, these are life skills that every single human being should have. Um, but... Uh, and, 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 and I worked for other people for 20 years. I started working when I was 15 at McDonald's, and I started They Ask You. You really was, did? That was your first job? Yeah. I worked at McDonald's for, six, for three years. Wow. Yeah. You like, did you like it? No. Do you, it was do awful. You, like, do you eat McDonald's now? Yes. But I, don't, I, can't, re- I can't remember the last time so I ate McDonald's. you didn't hate it that Probably much. Probably six months ago. No, I, I mean, like, you know, it was, it was, it sucked because you're doing things that you don't want to be doing. Right. You know, like you're sitting over the, the, you know, a, a grill for six hours. Well, that's why I asked because I didn't know if it was a metaphor. Like, I, oh, I worked at McDonald's versus Legitimately actually, worked yeah. at McDonald's. Worked at a pizza place, worked at a gas station. I worked for Toyota in their uh, parts receivable. I worked at a Honda plant in their paint department. I had uh, crazy jobs. Um, I worked as a, I've, I've always taken like Joe jobs and just been treated like crap. So did you I, leave those jobs or get fired? Left them. Left. Yeah, I've never been fired from a job. Congrats. To my knowledge. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I left all of them. But um, they, I learned to work with, I learned to be managed. I learned to obey orders. You know, all that stuff, it's, yeah. you know. Um, I think that part of maybe some of my success as an entrepreneur, as a, as a creative, is because I know how to follow through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. It's not, I don't think that, I think that the best songs in the world are just the songs that got finished. Mm. There's so many guys who are just genius out there, but they just don't finish projects. They just don't finish things. They don't wake up in the morning. They don't, you know, they don't work hard. You know, somebody asked me the other day about content. How do you create content? 
Like, you just wait to be inspired. I'm like, content is the old adage. It's 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration. You just wake up and you open up your laptop and start working on something. Right. That's how you write a sermon. You know, you kind of get dropped off in the middle of the ocean and then you just start swimming in, in a direction. And that's how you find the sermon. Right. Um, but you've got to show up. Um, so, um, but bottom line is if you're, you know, how do you know? You know, like, and what do you do if you're at an organization, you're at a church? Well, you be a good employee. Be the employee that, you, that you're going to need one day, maybe if you're going to be an entrepreneur. And then, you know, you'll start to, people will start to tell you. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll, or you, and you'll start to know. And then it'll make sense. You know, to, like, so for example, when I told um, Carl that I was leaving New York and I wanted to go and do some creative stuff, he was like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, because it's like, we, we all see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, now, of course, there's the there's a lot of stories of people who are like, you're, you know, the boss is like, you're never going to make it. And then they, you know, made an awesome business. Um, and that often happens too. Sometimes, you know, you just, but, you know, there's there are people who like, you're not an entrepreneur, bro. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, just ultimately, I guess, depending on what you're called to, but you should have a strong, strong sense of this is what, this is just, it just makes me tick. This is what's really excite me. I wasn't taking any risks necessarily when I, I quit Hillsong, New York and moved to California to, you know, to, to start to pursue creative things because I'd been doing creative things since I was 12. You know, like I'm a creative guy. I'd create, I'd made a bunch of art and projects and music and, you know, I had written a book. You know, um, these were all things that I had done while I was on staff at other churches right. and had jobs. So if you if you can't be entrepreneurial in the place that you already are in, dude, I wrote, I created essentially Theos U while I was working for Hillsong. Mm. I wrote 16 courses. Right, as, for that college. That, correct, yeah. exactly. So I was creating while I was part of an organization. Sure. Um, so if you're, an org- if you're an entrepreneur, Nobody's going to be able to hold you back from being, a, you know, creative. Organizations don't hold you back from being creative. You know, like you'll be, you'll. If if I don't create, I'll spontaneously combust. I have to create. Yeah. Right. Nobody tells me I, I don't need time. I don't need space to create. I create. I just wanted more time and more space to create more. Right. right. You know. But if you're somebody going, if I just had these this right environment, you're not an entrepreneur. You're not a creator. Yeah. No, that's that's so good, and uh, I I know you guys got a, a flight to get, so, so we'll wrap this up. Uh, but but the conversation we had before with Dr. Tennyson it was a great conversation. Awesome he's a genius. Back and forth. Oh yeah, he's genius. He was, he was my professor, and I had several classes with him in school. That's cool. So and now he's stepping into his new role in the AG. And um, one of the things you said that I got questions about that um, maybe you can address before we end. Yes. You said I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm a charismatic. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So I mean. Pentecostals have like 16 distinctives. Yeah, AG would, yeah. The AG, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know them off the top of my head, so that's number one reason why I'm not a Pentecostal. <laughs> uh, number two, yeah, I, I, I don't give a big emphasis on speaking in tongues, although I speak in tongues and I believe in speaking in tongues, and I think that, I think that tongues are for everybody. I'm, a, I'm, like, a, I'm like a rare... I'm just, there's a lot of Pentecostals that don't even believe that anymore. Sure. I just don't put as much pressure on it like the, the initial physical evidence type stuff yeah like I think it's a gift secondary, that, yeah. totally I think it's a gift that if you want you can have right but I wouldn't be like you gotta speak in tongues if you don't speak in tongues you know what I mean like I'm just yeah. I, 
I think I think that there's other gifts that are way better, you know, for personal, um, uh, role really for the church. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I I'd probably prophecy some, others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and then. Um, Governmentally, because Pentecostalism is it—it's a, you know, I mean, fit and proper. It's denominational, right? Um, Versus so, you're, you and the Serengeti as the charismatic. Exactly. You can, yeah, it exactly. all makes sense. Exactly. So yeah, I'd probably say I have a lot of Pentecostal instincts because I was raised um, in a church that, you know, by a, a former PAOC, uh, sure, um, a Pentecostal. Uh, essentially the AG of yeah, Canada yeah. you know they're um, a pastor there who so I have a lot of their instincts but I just uh, you know probably even theologically I'd be unreliable because I'd probably be lean a bit more sacramental sure. um, and you know and I'm not a dispensationalist not that every Pentecostal is, but that's kind of been an earmark of their eschatology. Yeah, everyone that was asking questions wanted me to bring up eschatology and you and Tennyson kind of talk about your beliefs. I'm like, we don't have time for that. He, and he's not a dispensationalist <laughs> yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's like a trend. I know there's a trend in Pentecostalism away from it. Yeah. Um, but I I know I have a lot of friends who are Pentecostal diehard dispensationalists sure. and they're the, they're the best. They're the funnest. Dispensationalists are the funnest Christians out there that I disagree with. And they're, they're my favorites. Well, that's a good note to end on. I uh, don't want you to miss your flight. But until next time, you're going to be back with us at some point. Who knows if, if your invites rescinded to Sparkle or not. We'll find out. Sparkle. But excited. Always fun to chat. And until next time, Nathan Finocchio. It was a pleasure. Mm-hmm.